This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, I'm Don Amaro, and this is Through the Fire, a podcast about overcoming adversity, reframing misfortune, and celebrating courage. On this show, you're going to meet some really incredible people who have been through some heavy stuff, but they've come through the other side. And the hope is that you're encouraged and inspired by the words that you hear. Today's guest is a triple threat, an accomplished musician, a unique vocalist, and a beautiful songwriter and a beautiful soul, as you'll find out today. You may know Lindsay L. as one of country music's most celebrated female voices or for her number one singles. But what you may not know is that Lindsay's had a lot going on behind closed doors. Before we get into today's conversation, please know that we're going to be discussing sexual violence. And this may be uncomfortable for some listeners. Lindsay L., thank you so much for joining me here today on Through the Fire. Um, how are you doing, first of all? Don, thank you so much for having me. Um, I obviously am such a fan of what you do. And when I saw you start to do this, I'm like, anytime an artist is using their platform for the greater good and to have a bigger discussion of like what really is going on. I'm like, I am all for that. I am for this person. I will support whatever they do. And so I would just like to say kudos to you for wanting to have, you know, the, the conversation about difficult things and the things that I think make us who we are to get us to, you know, the, the way we show up as today. Yeah, well, thank you so much. I I started this this whole process. I, I mentioned on the last episode that this has been years in the making, and uh, I think being in the pandemic really kind of like afforded me time and and in some ways opportunity. It's weird to say that in the midst of a pandemic, but um, you know, so many of us were kind of like, "What do I do now?" And for me, it was like, "Let's start this thing." How's how's the music journey been these days? Because I mean, obviously, I just mentioned the pandemic. We're we're, we're coming out of that cloud. Uh, and how's things looking for you in in the immediate future with with music? Yeah, it's been um, quite the past couple of years of and really past year of um, transitioning a lot of things. I think that through the pandemic, we all learned a lot about ourselves, and we learned <clears throat> we learned a lot about. What is it that we love doing? What is it we don't love doing? Like, who are people that we love working with? Who are people that we love spending time with? Who are friends that we like? Who are friends that we don't like? Like a lot of difficult conversations that I think when life gets so busy and we just get, you know, chaotically running from thing to thing that we don't really allow us space to ask some of those questions. And so, um, on the music side of things, I, I've been making a lot of changes and I've been just really bringing it down to the music and, um, and writing a lot. I've been writing a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, I'm about to go out on the Shania Twain tour, which it's, it's crazy to even say that sentence, speak that sentence into life, um, (laughs) at the end of April. And so I've been working really hard on, on getting some new music out for that. 
Um, as well as I've been hosting a TV show, Canada's Got Talent. And so that's been so exciting and, um, and a lot of fun, but, but yeah, it's, it's been busy post pandemic, you know, I I feel Mm. like I literally jumped into the fire and just have been like running on a (laughs) treadmill ever since. And there's something about your trajectory too, that I'm always inspired by because you are not just an incredible guitar player, not just an incredible songwriter, not just an incredible performer, but you're also, you're using your voice in a lot of different ways. When I say that, it makes me think of, uh, you know, I'm going to get right into it. You've got this um, Make You Movement Fund uh, that is uh, really about um, supporting others who have been through some of the same tragedies. And, and um, I, 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 the tragedy is the word I would use. How would you describe... Um, that I'm trying. I feel like I'm being cryptic, but maybe you can help me uh, share with the audience that piece of your story. Yeah. Hey. Um, anytime I think we go through trauma, sometimes it's it's difficult to to talk about. Um, I was raped as a little girl, and and sexual assault is is a category that is really difficult to talk about. Sometimes, you know, it's it's ugly. It's awkward. It feels uncomfortable to talk about it, especially when you're talking about it when it happened when you were a little kid. You know that that's even more awkward and more ugly to talk about. Um, but I, you know, I, I I kept it to myself for a long time. I didn't really tell my parents when I was little, um, and. It, it became this thing that defined who I was and how I reacted to the world. And yet nobody knew about it. My parents didn't know about it for seven years. And I was, and I got to the point that I'm like, if I don't share this part of my story, I feel like I'm holding a piece of me back. Um, I actually had a second occurrence when I was 21. And when that happened, I, I had just started going through therapy and, um, and by the time the second occurrence happened, I was like, this is definitely my fault. This must be me because this doesn't happen twice to people. And so I was just taking that blame on, taking that blame on. And and as I started going into um, into deeper levels of therapy and, and started even researching a lot of, um, you know, sexual assault victims and other survivors, you know, Oprah being one of them, a lot of them had a few occurrences. And I was like, what is this similarity? Why does this happen multiple times? And um, it just, it it caused, it really piqued my interest. And it, it really wanted me, or it gave me this like dying calling basically to hmm. help and to figure out, you know, why these things happen multiple times and how can I be a voice for other survivors? And so I started, um, volunteering at a number of different organizations. There's this organization called Youth for Tomorrow um, down here in the States. They have a bunch of different campuses across the country, but um, I was I was going to uh, their one, their main one, um, just out in Virginia. And I remember they were launching a music program for their kids. And Youth for Tomorrow is a campus for um, kids, mainly 13 to 18, who have been involved in really difficult situations, not just, um, sexual assault, but, uh, you know, if, if they're, if they've been brought up in a home that has a lot of, um, addiction and drugs and alcohol, or if they themselves have been involved in that, it it basically is this safe place 
and safe house for, for kids to go to, to heal and, and get better. And so I was like, wow, this place sounds incredible. And um, I was going out there to help them launch their music program. And I had no intention to talk about anything in my story whatsoever. I was like, no, 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 I'm here for the kids. And, um, and so I brought my guitar and I was singing for them. And I ended up at the end of the day in this conference room with 12 other little girls. And so it was me and 12 other little girls and we just went around the table and I just felt this need to talk to all of them. And, and I just started asking, I was like, well, why don't we talk about our stories? Like, I want to hear your stories. And, and this, um, 13 year old girl was sitting beside me and, uh, and she was like, yeah, Lindsay, my, my parents sold me to a sex trafficking company when I was little. And, um, and she just went on and on and on. And I was like, when you were little, you are 13. And, and she had so much light in her eyes and in her heart. I was like, my goodness, if a 13 year old has enough courage to talk about her story in a way that I am like on the floor inspired, then who am I to say that me not talking about my story is, is not going to have an effect on people? Like I just felt this need to really voice what I've been through and what's made me who I am in hopes that it could inspire somebody else or maybe give them the courage to do the same. And the past few years since um, I decided to write a song about it, because that's basically my my step one of, I need to say something, I will write a song about it. That's Make You, right? Totally, yeah. Um, Make You was written about my story, but I really wanted it to be um, applicable to anybody going through hard times or feeling really connected to their trauma and not knowing how to to uh, get peace from it. Um, my favorite lyric in Make You is what bends and stains and breaks you. That's what's going to make you. Because I really do believe it's the things that we go through in life that make us who we are. And ever since releasing that song, Make You, um, I just remember getting thousands upon thousands of DMs from from fans being like, thank you for saying this. Like, I have never told my story to anybody in my life, and I've finally found the courage to to go say something. I'm 50 years old. And just like all of these amazing stories, and it's like, wow, music is this incredible force that has power to like tap into different layers of our emotions that sometimes I don't even think we, we know we're feeling and yet can help connect us as human beings on this planet. And so through releasing Make You, um, I, I was just able to really tangibly feel like what a difference we can make to each other. And, um, and, and through that, I wanted to start, you know, my own foundation effort to be able to raise money, to be able to, to spread and further, you know, my awareness. And so that's how the Make You Movement got started. And um, the Make You Movement just basically helps be an advocate for other survivors out there. It helps connect survivors to um, different treatment centers that they can find healing. And it's basically my arm that I can help raise money through all the efforts that I, you know, am, am involved in as an artist to um, just help people in their path of healing. 
So many questions have come up in the midst of that as you were talking. Uh, and um, one of the things for me that I often say is that we are the sum of our experiences. But you've made me reframe that a little bit in the way that you share this. On your uh, foundation page, uh, you say, difficult times in our life don't make us who we are, but how we learn and act from them does. So it's not just the experiences, but it's it's how we react and respond and learn that define who we are. And I, I, I found that such an incredible line for me to cling to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and I, I thank you for that. Um, and, uh, another part that, that I'm intrigued by, um, when you talk about these things, um, these, these sexual violence that you've incurred in your, uh, in your life. Um, I, I guess what I'm curious about is how, where do you turn to, after that, like, it sounds like you carried a lot of it. Um, did you, did you have a place that you felt like, whether it was family, friends, somewhere where you felt like I can, I can gain strength from here. I'm guessing part of it was music. Uh, but where did you turn? Yeah, music was definitely a huge outlet, especially when I was so little. And, you know, sometimes when things like this happen to a kid, even if they're in like a safe home environment. I mean, I love my parents so much and they're incredible human beings. But when you're that young and something that traumatic happens, like I felt like I did did something wrong and I just felt like I couldn't talk about it. Otherwise I, you know, I just didn't know what was going to happen. And so even in a safe environment, oftentimes like family sometimes doesn't feel like the safest option. And so um, I did lean into music a lot. I, I like wrote um, my emotions and that was, that was really therapeutic and healing in a lot of ways. But I would recommend that anyone really dealing with significant trauma, um, it's, it's so amazing to reach out to someone else, specifically hmm. someone who has training on how to deal with these things, right. whether that's a therapist, whether that's a clinic somewhere, whether that's, um, you know, a, a doctor, um, depending on, on whatever you're seeking healing from, like, I would love to help brainstorm on, you know, w- where you can go in your local community. Um, if anyone has questions on that, feel free to, uh, send me a message, but, um, I I really think that my deeper level of healing didn't start until I started um, reaching out to professionals because they they just have this way of um, really addressing the delicate emotions inside at hand. And mm. I will say any step, everybody's um, journey and healing process is different, but um, but any step towards talking about it is a major step in the right direction, you know? So maybe if it is just telling a friend first off, maybe if it is just being able to accept it yourself that it happened and not having to live in denial, like that is a huge step in the right direction. And so any bit of um, that process, I I feel like is, is a great thing, but I feel that my my true healing didn't really start until I um, I started reaching out to a, a professional. How how far into your 
your journey, your walk after the incident, did you begin that, those conversations with a therapist? I will say that this timeline is so different for everyone. And, um, as I have gotten older and, um, I, I now, you know, close that window to a matter of days when I can realize, oh, I should really talk to somebody and I pick up the phone and call. But when I was little, it was six years before I, I actually was like, man, maybe I need to address this. And I have talked to people that it's, um, you know, been a lot longer than that. And I will just encourage you from like one healing heart to another that um, the, the sooner you can make a call like that, um, the, the sooner you will find uh, relief, you know, and be able to breathe a little bit deeper and know mm. that you're not in this alone because nobody needs to be in this alone. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know uh, when I think about, tragedies that we face. And I think about so many different kinds here, we're talking about, um, sexual violence and, and, you know, there's other, there's other kinds of loss. There, there was a loss there for you. There's other kinds of loss and grief that people, people, um, suffer from in their lives. And, um, and it, it, you're right. It always is about finding the, the therapy through that. And sometimes it is meeting with a professional who, like you say, can uh, understand the dynamics of what's going on internally, externally. Uh, um, and, you know, for um, for you, uh, it seems like um, you had this um, ability to, to recognize that within yourself. I, I guess you were 18, 19 years old uh, when you made that move. Um, have you always been, because I see you as this light, this hopeful, this um, beacon, uh, as somebody who's sort of been engaged in the Canadian country music scene for a little while, and I'm watching you on the international stages, and um, I see this light in you. Have Has that always been part of Lindsay L? Yeah, that, thank you so much, on That's so sweet of you. Um, I feel like I've always been... Uh... I will call it an external optimist. You know, I'm, mm. I'm so positive with the way I look at life and, and I, I have always been like really full of gratitude and, um, and, and usually like a, a very chipper person, but I will say that's a lot on the outside, you know, um, mm. specifically over the past few years, like I've been dealing with pretty deep anxiety and depression. And it hasn't really been until the last few years that I've noticed that difference. Like it is, it's very easy for me as an artist, because I'm so used to, it's time to go on stage now, we need to be happy. Yeah. And I'm so used to just putting on that front of like, everything's okay. And isn't life amazing? And we should be grateful. And although I do feel all those things, oftentimes, I've been like, uh, basically falling apart inside and mm. just having to put on like a, 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 a tough exterior because it's showtime. And when the lights go on, I, I know how to perform and I know how to right. be this thing that I need to be. And, um, so it's, it's been, it's been sort of this dichotomy that I've really had to stare in the face the past couple years of, you know, I'm, I'm not that person a hundred percent of the time. And yes, I, I do have a very optimistic way of looking at life, but, um, I've had to deal with like 
the darker side of things a lot over the past few years. Mm. And now it, it just sits in this place of how transparent am I with that to, you know, fans and to whenever I get on socials or what whatnot, you know, I, I, I want to be as real as I can be, but I also don't want to be, um, d- depressing to, to other people. And through, you know, healing, I think that we are all healing all the time, like every day. Um, I've just learned that we're all fighting different things. And I feel like we're all fighting the, the same war, just different battles on different sides of it. And, um, and sometimes when we can be real with one another is when it like it clicks for people. Mm-hmm. And so although it is very hard for me to show that side of myself, I um, I've been doing that more and more. I want to hear more about that. But first, we're going to take a quick break. More with Lindsay L. in just a moment on Through the Fire. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. Do you have a do you have a good circle around you that you can kind of lean on in those in those moments where it feels like I need to I need to vent. I need to I need I need my team. <laughs> yes, I am so so grateful. I mean, we t- we can talk about gratitude. Um I think it mm. is uber important to find that circle whoever that is and that may be one person. That may be ideally it's probably like a few people. Um you know, close friends, maybe it's a partner, maybe it's a family member, um, whoever it may be. And and I feel really blessed that I do surround myself. You know, you can call it the post-it note people. I could probably name you like four people that are like those pivotal ones that I call to for different reasons and at different times. But, um, but I think that being able to process something out loud with somebody is, Mm so helpful to like really knowing even what you're feeling in the moment. Sometimes like our brains are just moving a mile a minute that we don't even really understand what we're feeling until we can like audibly say it out loud with somebody. And, um, I think, I, I think it can be really helpful to like, just have somebody to talk to. Do you do any sort of meditative things to help sort of center yourself? When you talk about going out on stage and having to kind of you know, you're a professional, this is what you do. And, and, and you show up on stage and you do your job very well. What do you do to, to find that center when you, when you're, when you're going out to do what is, whatever it is that you're going to do and all the million things you're doing? Yeah. Um, 
gosh, to get into that. Meditation has been something that I have, <laughs> um, you know, danced with over the past five years, I will say. Um, and in the past year, I've like really taken it by the reins. And um, I think that meditation is one of the strongest, best things we can do. Um, and it literally costs zero dollars. And mm. um, I think that creating space in your in your mind and in your heart to be able to really understand that voice and understand that intuition and, and listen to yourself is one of the most healing things that we can do in our lives. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, we, we all have different vices that we can lean into and, and some people through trauma also get involved in other unhealthy things, whether that is, mm -hmm. you know, we can start listing vices, but a lot of them are like alcohol or, um, gambling or whatever. And so for me, that vice is, is food to be fully transparent. I'm such mm. an emotional eater. I am like addicted to sugar and food in a lot of ways. <laughs> and, and when I get stressed or I'm like trying to process things, I just eat like I emotionally eat to an insane amount that I can't even mm. like control myself. And, um, and then I go through these these uh, stages of like, oh, well, I I need to. It's like a binge and purge kind of a thing. Mm. And um, and meditation has been so helpful for me to be able to sort of stare that vice in the face. And um, it's it's something that I deal with every single day of my life. Still, like <laughs> I'm I'm. Um, nowhere near like a healed state with that. But, um, but it's been something that I've been trying to, to wage the waters on and navigate mm. through. And, um, I, I don't feel that like a, a healthy way of healing is just like transferring that emotion to a new vice and then transferring that emotion to a new vice. Cause, cause right. that process can, can just continually happen for the rest of your life. You know, it, it's, mm. it becomes real when you, when you really start to like listen to that emotion compared to just numbing it with something else. And, um, mm. I, I think that it's so much easier as a human to just numb it with something else, whether that is alcohol or in my case, food or, you know, and, and it's so easy to, make excuses for those things, you know, of, well, it's okay because, because I'm eating healthy things or whatever, you, you know, you can make excuses for, for, um, or I'm just going through this or I'll be better tomorrow. I'll be better tomorrow. All of that to say is, um, I think meditation is really powerful and it helps us all find clarity, um, around those things and, and around the things that we may be making excuses for, um, you know, meditation is sort of a place where you can stare that right in the face. Hmm. You know, one thing I, I really appreciate about this vulnerability right now is the fact that, you know, every guest I've had on this show has always has talked about, you know, this overcoming these tremendous trials and tribulations in life. 
But the reality is, is none of us got it all figured out. We're all, you know, dealing with something at some point in time in our lives. And, and you know, I don't know what's coming up in the future. You don't know what's coming up in the future. And um, it really is, like you say, you know, all these things that we, we go through and how we react or respond to them uh, are equipping us for the journey ahead, I think, in some ways. And uh, and I think that, you know, again, I see such mm-hmm. strength in you when you when you talk about these things because it's so fresh. It's so right now. Uh, and at the same time, Time, you're doing so much to support others, you know, with your songs, with your courage and your strength and your your ability to, to get up and do it every day. Uh, and, and not only that, have this foundation that's supporting others who have been through some of the same traumas of, as you. Um, and I just, I commend you for being so hard on your sleeve uh, in all of this, because I think that is... Um, that is therapy for some people, hearing that they're not alone with, the, with what they're going through and seeing somebody like yourself who's doing such tremendous thing on the big stage and in the spotlight, they can go, oh, wait, Lindsay's also going through things and has been through things, and and I'm not alone. And I think, uh, again, just want to commend you for that. Thanks, Dawn. Yeah, I, I feel like it is such an important thing to remember that we're all human beings putting on pants one leg at a time and figuring <laughs> this out. And I think there was a lot of my, my young career that um, – even just from a career standpoint, but I think the metaphor is applicable to everything in life. It's, I always was like, I just have to sign a record deal and then everything's going to be good. I just have to get a song on the radio and then everything's going to be good. I just have to get a number one and then everything's going to be good. And you just feel that even once you accomplish like certain little goals, then a whole other room of like 10 more problems or goals or other things you need to figure out, open up. And, um, I don't think there's ever a part in life where we feel cool. I'm like so good with everything. Like I'm good. I just, you know, I think there's always that pull to the next thing, whether it's from a personal standpoint or a career standpoint or a healing standpoint. Um, you, you know, maybe that maybe there are some people who are like, I am perfectly healed and I feel wonderful. Like, <laughs> but I just don't think that's true. You know, I think that life is a difficult thing and, um, and, and we're constantly peeling layers of the onion. You know, I, uh, as you're sharing that, it makes me think of, you know, people like you, people like me, people who are doing what we're doing. Um, I, I, I would say that the word that comes to mind is driven. We're very driven. And when you're driven, you're driven to a destination. And I think that that idea of getting to the destination in your mind is like, once I get there, then I'll have it figured out. But we're, we, we're still driven. Once we get there, we're still driven to the next thing and the next thing. And it just keeps compounding. And I think what, mm-hmm. what comes to mind for me is how do I stay driven and yet be content? Right. And be, and, and I've often said, this is like success can't be a destination. I have to find success right now, today, right in this moment. Cause if success is attached to something I have no control over in the future, um, I'm never going to get there. And so that's, that's really what I hear you talking about too, is just sort of find staying driven, but also being content. Those two things wrestle with each other in a way. And I think for us artists, um, we're always wrestling with that idea of being content and yet keep pursuing something. Absolutely. You know, I, and I think every single human being on the planet fights that, you know, regardless of like what your pursuit is, regardless of what category your pursuit falls in. Um, I, I think that there's a certain level of unrest in all of us. 
Um, and so it's, it's just about, um, being real and being clear, like you said, of, of connecting to the process of it and, and less of just mm. getting to an, an end point. Yeah. So true. Um, I want to, I want to depart from this part of our conversation and can I nerd out with you on music for just a minute? <laughs> yeah, totally. So you say, uh, I, I, I listened to an older interview and I'm assuming that's still, maybe still the same. I'm not totally sure, but that John Mayer's Continuum is one of your favorite albums of all time. Correct. Yes. <laughs> Mine too. I, so it's, it's, that album is my desert Island album. Would you say the same? Yeah. yeah um, before I went into the studio to record my first album, the project, um, I was working with a guy by the name of Christian Bush at the time from the duo Sugarland, and um, Christian, I was I was sort of breaching one of those art, artists' identity crisis moments, and I was like, I don't know how I need this record to sound, and I don't know what to do, and I don't know what to record, and and he was just like, Lindsay, what's your Desert Island record? And I was like, Continuum by John Mayer. I can sing you every single guitar solo. I can sing you every lyric. I know that record top to bottom. And he's like, great. I want you to go record it. And I was like, <laughs> what? And he was like, yeah, go sit in your little hole in the wall studio. I'm going to give you two weeks and record the whole record for me. Top to bottom go. And I was like, cool. This will be a piece of cake. I know his record so well. <laughs> and little did I know I was up to like 3am up at 7am every day, working around the clock, basically just trying to record my favorite record and it's a lot different when you learn a song to play it live versus um learning a song to actually record it you just got to yeah. learn things to a different level you know you're you're learning bass parts and drum parts and all of these things to a different level and and yet going through that experience i learned so much about why i love that record as much as i do more than i ever would have just by listening to it and so at the end of two weeks I handed in my homework assignment essentially to Christian Bush and was like, Christian, I'm, I'm amazed. Like I, I just learned so much hmm. doing that. And he's like, perfect. Now we can start your record. And so we were That's never so going to cool. release it. It sat on a hard drive in my studio and it was mainly just a, a project that he gave me to, um, to learn why I loved the music that I loved. And so we ended up recording my record. We released the record. And in a bunch of these interviews, I was talking about this thing that Christian made me do. And fans were like, we want to hear it. We want to hear it. We want to hear it. And mm. I was like, this is not fair. I recorded this as a project that I thought was never going to see the light of day. And so um, Christian and I sat down and um, we ended up just just mixing a version of it that was a little bit different than the OG because obviously John's version is the ultimate and always will be. And so <laughs> he muted all of my drum tracks that I spent like hours and hours programming. <laughs> um, and then we just released like a, a raw different version of it. And, um, and to this day, it was, it was one of my favorite things that I've ever been like creatively a part of it. It was just such a fascinating mm experiment and i learned so much from it i i love that and i love i love your version too it's fantastic um has has john ever heard it john mayer thank you yeah yeah um he has uh i i sent it to him and, and christian knew um 
a few people in, in John's camp just from back in the Atlanta music scene days. And, um, mm. and I remember I was at a show, um, John was playing here in Nashville and, um, and he brought me backstage and he was like, thank you so much for mm. recording one of my albums front to back. And nobody had ever done that before. And I didn't even know how to, um, respond to that really and he's like it's it's been it's been one of the coolest things like thank you so much you're so talented blah blah, blah. and so that's awesome. i pretty much dropped dead in my tracks and that was the only thing you know i just wanted him to think it was cool and um being able to like record someone's stamp on how they see life and, and music is just a such personal thing um that i i just felt really grateful that that he thought it was cool Hmm. Twice now I've had dreams of writing with John Mayer. Uh, and I don't remember the second batch of lyrics we wrote, but on one of them was, and I still think it's a cool lyric. It was, um, uh, you don't know where you're going. I don't know where I'm from. You wear your mother's smile. I wear my father's gun. And I was like, that's such a cool lyric. I've never done anything with it, but I, I, I think it'd be so cool to release it saying co-written by John Mayer. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That's such a great lyric. Um, Lindsay, I, uh, one last question I want to ask you before I let you go. Um, what are you driven towards these days? What are you, wh where are you heading? Great question. Um, I'm really driven to kind of the things that we were talking about is just being more transparent and showing that like really vulnerable side of myself that um, for so many years I felt like I couldn't show. And I felt like I needed to be this happy, you know, always positive person and face. And um, I just, I just want to be a little bit more real, you know, and, and share more of my heart and things that we're all going through um, and, and that I'm sort of facing um, every day. And so I'm, I'm really, really hoping on writing that more in my music and, and having it, having it all come out, whatever that may mean. I'm excited. However, that looks because, uh, everything you seem to do seems to be, uh, with excellence, uh, and, uh, and I'm excited to see what the future holds for you. Thanks so much, Lindsay, for, uh, for being with us today. Tom, thank you so much. And thank you. Like I said, at the beginning of this podcast, thank you for doing this. I think it is so important to have these kind of real deep conversations. And um, I commend you. I commend you for doing this, truly. Well, pleasure is mine. Thank you. My next guest is a singer-songwriter, I, who's an up-and-coming voice in the folk and roots scene here in Canada, but someone who's made a name for himself outside of Canadian borders first, and none of that came easy. Not to mention, he's made it his mission to tell stories from the vantage point of underrepresented communities, like his own in the greater Toronto area. There's a lot more to dig into with I in just a few weeks. Catch you back here soon. As I always say, it takes a village to run things here at Through the Fire, and I want to thank my village, executive producer Sarah Burke, administrators Lori Brown and Alan Grayeyes, Video and audio design by Chris Godry and his team at 44 Films. Feisty creative for their design work. Social media support by Johnson Design Company. And last but far from least, I want to thank our technical producers, Matt Kundle and Evan Serminski from the Sound Off Media Company. I look forward to sharing more great conversations just like this one on the next Through the Fire. You see the light. 
produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com.